Jonathan Jonathan to Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast where I return to the presenting chair for only the second time. It would have been nice for me if we had a lovely winter celebrate so that I could be happy and cheery during this early Sunday morning recording. Alas, that was not the case. Maybe it would have been nice if our opponents had triumphed so that a presenter could use a cheap pun with a toolkit nickname our London opposition uses that could also resemble a demolishing. Demolishing. Alas, that did not happen. (laughs) Instead, we find ourselves straight down the middle. Honours even, no goals scored. For the third time in the league this season, we find ourselves in the shadow of a nil-nil draw. But something is telling me this one is slightly more disappointing than the others. However, I nearly forgot. That would have been naughty. We finally reached point number 40. Hello, Dave. Hello. How's it going? Very, very well. And how about yourself, Chris? How are you doing this morning? I'm not too bad, thank you, Ben. Not too bad at all. So we're gonna we're gonna start things off with with Dave's reviews. You were you were at the game yesterday, Dave. I mean, you had a, a pretty eventful day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it it was a good day all round uh, yesterday for me. However, that had kind of very little to do with the actual football match itself. Um, it feels <laughs> feels weird not presenting today. Um, I feel slightly out of position, like Mark Munieza at left back. But I'm sure we'll get onto that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my highlights of yesterday uh, occurred either side of the match. The first was meeting uh, the Catalan Potters in Delilah's Bar before the game, which was very nice. It, it was just great to see um, some foreign Stoke fans uh, t- taking their first sips of pedigree and uh, deciding <laughs> they liked it. So yeah, uh, v- very nice l- lads. Um, so that that was very nice. And then after the game, uh, three generations of Stoke fans, me, my dad and my granddad, are quietly uh, sipping a, a pint in the exchange in Stone. And who should walk in but Dennis Smith? And he's literally, I'm sat in a car recording this right now. He was sat as far away from me as the uh, driver's seat of the car. I'm sat in the front passenger seat. And Is it a big car? No. <laughs> so... so he, uh, he was very nice. He, he spoke to us a bit about uh, about Stoke and York, and uh, he, he says we should stick with Mark Hughes. Does Den? So uh, there's an exclusive. It's probably not exclusive. He's probably said that before. Well, yeah, very nice, uh, uh, and a much needed tonic to what I felt was a pretty boring game. Um, a game that looked better on match of the day than I think it felt at the ground. So, uh, well, before you go on, I'll, I'll interrupt. I'll go through a few of the, the three-word reviews, as is customary on the podcast. We've got Berahino, poor signing, um, nearly over now, please no more, should have stayed home, not that bad, same old garbage, Ramadan, Sobby, Habibi, three more games, and then the one that we retreated was one from Ollie who said, end season now. Um so, Chris, there's quite a running theme that a lot of people want want the season to be over. What are yes. your thoughts on that? I I understand it. I think yesterday's game, watching it live, it was a it, it definitely felt like it was two teams kind of running out of steam. I agree with with you that match of the day definitely made the game look a lot livelier and better than it did uh, at the actual uh, time. 
Um, it was a weird one because um, after yesterday, after the full time whistle, uh, it wasn't a case of feeling angry yesterday. You know, there wasn't, uh, at least for me, there wasn't the outrage of oh, Mark Hughes, blah, 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 blah. It just, it felt lethargic and it felt lethargic in my support as well. I I completely get why people want the season to be over because we've fizzled out. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe there's a hope that we can just do something next season. Let's just finish it. Let's get on. It, there's still so many questions and so many things that need to be addressed. But yeah, it, it, it wasn't exactly... Um, a firecracker of a game that being said i i take that point the three-word reply that said it wasn't as bad because you know there were there were chances and butland and adrian made some some decent saves um and so you know if if maybe maybe if we'd have had a different goalkeeper and we would have lost the game i don't know um but yeah it's it just felt a bit lethargic so Chris, you think it's lethargic? Do you think that it was lethargic, Dave? Because I thought watching the game, both teams seemed to be something. I didn't know if it was lethargic that both teams were sort of couldn't be bothered, or was it that both teams were was frightened of losing? Maybe. What do you think there was? Well, yeah, the word I'd use is sort of more disjointed. Really, um, there were times where we played well, and there were times where we seemed to be able to create chances. I think most of that came through Jordan Shakiri. Uh, creating a bit of room or finding a killer pass uh, on a few occasions so whilst we definitely created chances I thought most of the play around that was pretty shoddy at times and uh, we did uh, there was a time where uh, turned to a bloke beside me and said we just don't look like we've played together and there were definitely moments where both teams were sort of uh, placing uh, wayward passes they were losing possession cheaply I thought in the first half we had a decent spell at, because West Ham invited uh, us onto them and we sort of had a bit of purpose about us because mainly because they were playing eight at the back. So I thought <laughs> I thought it felt yeah it felt like two quite poor lower table sides and that obviously is what it is. So. Uh, You'd you'd have hoped in a game where effectively both teams are safe and it's an end of season dead rubber that you'd you'd get to see a bit more excitement from the bench, a, a younger player, a, a Ramadan Sobby perhaps. But um, no, we had Crouch and Adam uh, coming off the bench who uh, did not add to the excitement in a pretty <laughs> mediocre uh, game of football. Yeah, we'll 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 keep with the with the subs then, Chris. What, what on earth is are these subs again? I mean, there's just no creativity um, coming onto the you, pitch ever. You, right, I know that you play FIFA, Ben. You know when you like um, you play against a computer, or or when you're like playing on a player career mode, and the computer AI does the exact same substitutions every time because that's kind of what it's been programmed to do. That's <laughs> just what it, that's just what it feels like because. I don't know. I, I mean, I it, it was it, again. It, it's a frustrating thing. There were. <laughs> I I don't get what what Mark Hughes. Well, no, I do get what Mark Hughes is trying to do. He hopes that we'll hit it long to Crouchy and some it will come off, and Charlie will hit it from thirty yards out and get it in the net. That I think is basically the the, <laughs> the tactic with the substitutions. Um, 
I don't know, it's just depressing because you do feel like the substitutions won't make a difference and it's it's irritating. Let's um, go Let's go back to the start then quickly. We haven't really mentioned the lineup because I, I don't know what you thought when you saw the lineup first off, Dave, but it looked to me a half decent side. I wasn't too disappointed with it. The only thing I would say is I don't really know what formation we were playing, but what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind the lineup too much either. I was pleased to see uh, Munieza come in for Peters because I think Eric Peters has needed a rest. And whilst I don't think Munieza is a left back, and he showed signs of that yesterday. I thought he, we just needed a bit of a bit of fresh blood at the back, so I was pleased to see that. Uh, my main doubt about it was Allen as the ten. I thought, well, if he even did play a ten, he sort of played it as a more advanced midfielder. Oh, it wouldn't go quite as far as to, as to say he was a ten. So I was, yeah. My my concern was that there wasn't enough uh, chance to supply Berahino and we'd need both Arnie and Shaq to be on their game, and one of them was, but the other one wasn't. So, yeah, I, I was I was content with the lineup. I don't think there were many other options in terms of creative players to bring on. Maybe Ramadan could have played and he could have had Shaq as a 10, but uh, it's something he's been reluctant to do this season. So, yeah, <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, every, everything about yesterday was sort of passable, and <laughs> yeah, six six out of ten. Yeah, and then another week and another Imbula not involved in the squad again. Another, he's, he's gone. Yeah, he's oh, gone, isn't he? Just I really so, so depressing. It's absolutely shocking what's gone on. I, uh, if it, if it is down to Imbula's attitude, and he's a lazy ass, fair enough. Uh, Dennis Smith said to me um, I've dropped this in as often as I can your best mate um, friend of the yeah, pod yeah 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 um, he said that he saw Imbula warming up at Leicester and he, his attitude warming up was uh, like he was just messing about and just didn't take it seriously so maybe that's play, playing on Hugh's mind that a perceived mm. lack of uh, commitment and focus from Imbula and maybe that's the case, but it's just ridiculous to me that an eighteen million pound player, who I think is a good player, I know there's those that don't rate him, and I think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, a really, really good footballer is just being cast aside because Hughes doesn't know how to manage him. Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I was thinking on this yesterday, and it's a case of, if in my mind, it's a failure on on two parts it's either a failure to manage the guy and it's look you know it's not getting the the best out of him not knowing how to man manage him or if it is a case of yeah he's got a poor attitude he isn't slotting in blah blah then why wasn't that something that the scouting department found out beforehand there was a reason Porto wanted him to go after six months like if if the fault there would lie with the person who valued it paying 18 million for him to bring him to Stoke like I mean yeah it, it, the jury remains out on it I still think he's a very very good player and I think it was telling in the last few weeks when Stoke on their social media have been put in the oh um, see the goals from the last time we played such and such a team and it's been players who no longer get in our starting um, 11 um, and the West Ham one last season in Bula got a very very nice goal so it, it's just um it's been a disaster of a signing and it makes me sad. 
could you my, maybe my counterpoint to that um, that Dennis Smith point obviously I, I don't want to sort of um, put him down but my counter maybe would be at this stage in his sort of Stoke City career where he's not been involved in so long would you could you blame a player to sort of have a bit of a shoddy atmosphere in the warm up he's not he's not involved at all and like what's the point for him uh, I, I can understand I can understand that um, obviously this is I've I've not seen this supposed mm. warm up. This this was when he was a substitute uh, down the touchline rather than before the game. Okay, yeah. So uh, you're thinking that situation you'd you'd want to uh, just make a point of you know running about a bit, showing the manager that you're you're fit and ready. So uh, if that if that's the case, that is disappointing. But again, uh, at the very least, this if he doesn't trust in Bueller in a dead rubber against West Ham that's uh, just a damning indictment of uh, what has been a disaster of a transfer really isn't it you're not wrong um, right we've got no we've got no goals to discuss I'm going to sort of talk about a couple of chances the first one I wanted to bring up was um, the AU bicycle kick where mm. um, the ball has been played back to Masuaku Ayu, by Ayu I believe Ayu's then gone run off to the, to the middle of the box and Masuaku is given acres of space with no one closing him down until about a few seconds later, Cameron realises there's no one closing him down. And he's given all the time in the world to pick out Ayu, who, to be fair to I mean, the cross isn't that good if it's that far behind Ayu, but he's sort of created something out of it and, and it's forced a, a, a pretty good save from Jack Butland as well. Um, so, Chris, what were your thoughts on, on that chance, if you remember it? Because I, I thought that was pretty shoddy defending. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, watching it live it was one of those oh, like panic moments where you oh god what what's go- ah! um but i no yeah completely it's the same story we've seen a lot this season where it's just we've forgotten basic defending um i think there was quite a little there was a, a bit of this um yesterday and yeah it, it's frustrating it's frustrating that we don't we don't close players down i thought the chance was um it would have been special if he'd pulled it off, obviously, but alas, he did not. And I'm glad about that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it was I, it was just one of those scary moments, it, wasn't it? For me, it? Um, it was symptomatic of Glenn Johnson having a, yet another appalling game at right-back. That was probably one of his worst displays this season for me. He didn't overlap nearly enough. He just got, he just got lost all the time. They had so much time on the flanks. It was unbelievable. And you just see them there. You think, where the hell is Johnson? He's either 20 yards too forward or he's just running back to the centre-half position for no reason. He was just he seemed to just be tactically not switched on at all. It was just a real bad display uh, from Johnson. And at the moment, he, he looks barely championship standard for me. And... We've given him a new contract, so you know, woo. Uh, that <laughs> I think I think you bring up, you brought up a good point there with the fact um, he didn't uh, run over Shakiri. There was a number of times when Shakiri was on the ball, perfect time for Johnson to run down the wing and pl- be played in by Shakiri, and, and then Shakiri had to play it back either, to him. So maybe um, it was, maybe that's part of it. Maybe he just doesn't. Maybe he just can't mm. run uh, those uh, overlapping runs that he used to do. Uh, in which case, you know, we, we need to we need to start seriously thinking about what we want from a fullback and look at look at a couple of them in the summer. 
And what about we'll talk about some Stoke chances what what were the pick of the chances for you Dave yesterday obviously Berahino again had had a a few chances yeah, to score, yeah. his uh, his second one the the one in the second half is a really well struck shot and it is a it's a really great save from Adrian mm-hmm. and you just thought ah oh, damn that that's the that's the best he's looked this season he found space it was a nice three ball from Shakiri it wasn't the easiest of angles but he he certainly got a good effort away and that's as as good as he's looked for us uh, in that one s- sort of little snapshot. Apart from that, yeah, we had that effort in the first half from Berahino, which was good defending, and we had that on out of its chance in the second half where Shakiri again, Shakiri he got he, obviously he got pelters a lot yesterday, and at times he did do frustrating things like give the ball away or dive idiotically in the penalty area. But our best chances yesterday came from Shakiri pulling something out of the hat. And that one uh, for Anatovic really should have been a goal, I think. And um, it's it's worrying that Shakiri is so injury-prone because we need both of them playing together as often as possible. And we've not seen that nearly enough this season. Mm-hmm. Chris, is Arnautovic all right? <laughs> what do you mean like as because I'm his best friend and I know the inner workings of his of his mind exactly I thought he was friend friend of the pod friend of Chris friend of the pod Marco and out of it I don't know I am um, I think I think Arnie has pulled this team together this season and I think that we've relied a lot heavily on him to to create things and if there's a a level of frustration there for Arnie. I think that's understandable. Um, I do think sometimes other players aren't on his level in terms of what he his vision of how things are going to go and, uh, and and reading of the game. It wouldn't surprise me if he was frustrated, but I think that he he's uh, fond of the club. He put out some in in midweek, didn't he? Ex- where there was the story about explaining what, that he turned down Everton because he wanted to stay at Stoke. Now, uh, that was, I thought, a, a very interesting article because I think he does. I think he he recognises that this has been the club where he's possibly had the biggest impact of his career. And um, I think he's OK, Ben. I'll have to ask him and have a heart-to-heart <laughs> with him. But no, I, th- I think I think he I think he's okay, if not a little bit mardy in an Arnie way that w- that thought... we know and love. We'll have to add him <laughs> to our group chat. Yeah, I thought um, that a lot of it was West Ham just defended very well down that right hand side. I, I can't remember who the West Ham right back was. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can see here, but um, I think was it Font? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I thought they they dealt with him very well. And uh, when when a team man marks Arnie as well as that, he can get very frustrated, and it's uh, sometimes easy to knock him off his mm-hmm. game. Uh, it's it's the first poor performance from a while, and obviously it's coming on the back of uh, that horrendous penalty at Swansea. But like, if anyone's proved time and time again that he's gonna be fine, it's Arnie. You know. Uh, he, he could e- he could easily pull out a man of the match performance yeah. again against Bournemouth, but yeah, it, it was just uh, really frustrating that he couldn't get a, a proper foot in the game, and obviously he's missed a big chance uh, to give us the win. But 
you know, like I said, we we need Shaq and Arnie just playing together as often as possible, because as frustrating as they are and infuriating and just like as much as you want to scream at them sometimes, they'll just that you just need five minutes <laughs> from them where they click, and then uh, that can be the difference between three points and yeah. one. Well, I, I, yeah, I think that I, I strongly agree with that. I think that's proven by that last chance for Al Natovic when it's played through by Shakira. I don't think any other players in our squad would link up like that. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a, another sort of forward player that would be on the same wavelength on Al Natovic making that run into the box. And obviously on another day, he gets a bit more contact on it or a bit less than it goes in because it goes either side of Adrian. But goes yeah. unfortunately straight at the keeper um, talking about keepers Jack Butland's first home game um, since that injury I understand there were many a cheer when his name was read out and <laughs> he sort of lived up to expectations another strong performance um, better than the last one and kept a clean sheet so yeah is he, is he I mean Hughes came out after the game and said he's back to his oh, best is, is Butland back to his best Chris oh, or Dave sorry, sorry. sorry <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder I just want to say Go. he's just bloody brilliant isn't he, he yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like yeah echo echo Dave's sentiments there like he's um, he's magic isn't he like some of the saves that he can pull off um you wouldn't have thought he'd been out for a year with that injury, I thought, on yesterday's performance. I thought he looked absolutely in in absolute peak condition. Um, and it's only when you see performances like that that you realise that, bloody hell, we've missed him as a player. Like, I know Lee Grant did well. And we've, we've said before, we don't know if that's maybe because we compared him to Shea Given, but bloody hell, Jack Butland is something else. He is top, top dollar um, like yeah he's yeah he's brilliant and Gareth Southgate was in the crowd to watch him uh, he turned so, down the know, rugby in... league tickets apparently oh did he yeah. did he oh that's good of him then uh, being the being <laughs> oh. the England football manager and all <laughs> can, that can I, can I defend uh... Southgate you're, you're referring to Here we go. Uh, him going to see the rugby league game on Thursday rather than watch the Manchester derby Everyone needs to just get a life. It's, it's, it was like it was like two English players in that Manchester derby, both of whom you probably knew about already. Yeah. They didn't go watch the rugby. He, he, he might have been meeting with the Leeds Rhinos uh, management, getting you know some tips on fitness or something. But just you know, uh, no, that's everyone, fine. Everyone needs I think to, fine, but, but... It's, it's not that there was much of a reaction to it. It was just uh, certain accounts with the word Bible in the name. Um, who were like, oh, <laughs> what's the England manager doing at rugby? That's not his sport. Oh. I think the funniest thing, <laughs> the funniest thing about that for me is that they acted like Southgate would never be able to watch that game again. Like, there's not sort of the, the England manager that doesn't have that, <laughs> the, the full game on tap. He's like, he's never going to watch that yeah. game. He's completely missing his players. A rolling sports news channel that might show highlights. <laughs> anyway um, yeah Butland was brilliant I, I I, think I don't know about you I thought his kicking was good yesterday as well I mean just get, getting the ball out I really dislike when a keeper sort of clears the ball into into touch into a throw in he, he was sort of decent at just well, getting it right yeah, down the middle of the pitch well quite I didn't far. notice that which is a pretty good sign if honest because most of the time when you notice a keeper's kicking it's because it's mm-hmm. not very good 
he did look shaky against Swansea. I think that's fair enough to say, despite uh, making one really good save at, at the Liberty. But yeah, he's just he just seems to be. It's like it's Jack's back, isn't it? So it's just great, and uh, hope uh, in these three remaining games that we see a few more clean sheets and good performances. So it, he's going to be England's number one. So we just want him to stay as long as possible. Hey, there's a pheasant over there. <laughs> well, is that is now the time to make clear that Dave is in his car? Yeah. Um, and recording yeah. the car, and it, that's why you can hear his beautiful voice in such sort of beautiful ambiance yeah. in his I, car. I think that, um, how's uh, the pheasant it's just doing? crossed the road. Is that that might be a baby pheasant, you know, <laughs> behind it? <laughs> what what does the uh, what does the pheasant think about Mark Hughes' um, substitutions? I, I, I'm I'm not I'm, <laughs> it's not early enough. It's <laughs> It's too early. <laughs> it's too early in the day for me to think of a funny answer here. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm in stone, and there's, and there's just a, a lot of a lot of uh, av- avian life about. There was a woodpecker Pheasants? earlier. Hey. <laughs> oh my goodness! You there can you go. can tell that you can Gosh. tell, tell yesterday's game it. wasn't very good, can't you? <laughs> Getting bored just talking about it, looking at pheasants. Uh, Go, we'll, oh we'll, I'll bring it back to um, to Stoke City and um, well, keep I, us back on track, Ben. <laughs> another thing on Jack Button before I move on is just, I, th- I think he seems like quite a confident bloke. You say he was shaky against Swansea, which is definitely understandable after such a, a long layoff. But he seems like he's got that bounce back ability. I know that's sort of it's a nothing phrase, really, but he definitely seems like he's a happy person in general from from what we can see. I'd say, and he's the type of person that. When he's back, he's he's confident enough to think I am one of the best keepers in this country, and I'm I'm gonna be England number one. So yeah, hopefully Dave is right, and he will be. Long-term very soon. injuries like that can be really um, damaging to a to a footballer's sort of confidence and psychology. And you you have seen some players um, who, whilst they're physically fit after a long injury, they're they're not quite there mentally. So it's a it's a testament to his character, really, that he's he he looks so good after. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long has it been now? It's, was it nine months? Thirteen months? Thirteen months. It was yeah, thirteen it was months since year, he last played for us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, in my let's just in my own experiences, okay. I did I did once break my arm playing football, and I've never been the same since. To be honest, so <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs> Go on, Chris. <laughs> Well, I was, I was, I was going to say that you know, let's just hope that Jack Butland stays for us as long as possible before Charlie Adam sells him, uh, because he's because uh, Charlie keeps touting well, him out to big clubs, doesn't he? I was going to bring that up in a bit, but yeah, what what on earth? How much is Butland paying him to be his agent? W- That's what I want to know. I wish he is he some. I wish he'd sell himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I wish Charlie. Yeah, just, like, I wish he'd stop talking. If honest. Like just, just. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Ooh. Charles. Harsh. Just, just stop also... trying to sell our best bloody goalkeeper <laughs> we've ever had. Oh, you. <laughs> you take away Shakiri's goal against Everton. <laughs> you sell Jack Butland. Come on, Charlie. 
Stop being a dick. <laughs> there we go. Um, another quick player that I'd like to bring up. You mentioned him earlier, Muniesa at left back. I think we brought it up on our Patreon special in the midweek, which I'll bring up in a bit more detail later. But um, yeah, Muniesa at left back. Did that work, Chris? Because I'm much more of a fan, and I think Dave would agree with me, at centre back rather than at left back for, for Mark. Yeah, I think that he was a little bit out of out of sorts there um, by no means do I think that he had a bad game but I, I think I agree with what Dave said earlier that it's not it doesn't feel like it's his natural position uh, for him that being said I thought there was the pass mm. that he did to Anatovic for the Berahino chance that was oh yes. absolutely divine yes um, and, and anything that gets Mark Munezer in the team I will be happy about um, whether that's centre back left back or defensive midfield or or even up top I don't care put him in the team because I love him so much uh, but but no I don't think that is his natural position and I think we would like to see him at centre back whether that will ever happen I, I was pleased to see him start if only just for the fact that the Catalan Potters were there uh, at the Bet365 and they got to see uh, the R1 remaining Catalan play so that was good I, I, I agree he did look out of sorts at times there was times where he kind of drifted back into the centre-half position where you wanted him uh, further out in the actual full-back position. And, yeah, he, he did He did look shaky, but overall I thought he played OK. And it's just so refreshing to see a left-back who can cross the ball in. Oh, my God. I think that's the positive he brings. Obviously, his, I don't think his positioning is good um, at left back, but his passing is so yeah. much better than Eric Peters. So, and, and that right, that pass to Arn Asfits you mentioned with his right foot as well. Yeah, so I, yeah, so you're not going to get that with Eric Peters. The ball, I think as well. So, it's, yeah, play play Moneyaza more, please. <laughs> there we go. Um, and from Minesa to someone that reminded me of Bojan, I thought Lanzini for them. I don't know if it was just our sort of lax defending, but there was a number of times. Um, in the first half where he would run through our team as if they weren't there and it reminded me of Bojan it was sort of those mazy runs where he just sort of sort of glides through and I thought that was quite I, nice to see I, but, uh, in I a thought way, West because... Ham were uh, uh, following the Bournemouth model of being gits yesterday I thought there was there were several <laughs> moments where I thought oh god you guys are gits um, I think it was Cuyate and Fernandez. Uh, were very uh, clever in exaggerating fouls, uh, and they, they they sort of they weren't really playing for a win. I didn't really feel they. It's not like they they threw everything at us by any stretch. So uh, yeah, they were a very frustrating team to play against. But they, they've been like us this season. They've underwhelmed after showing promise uh, before and. Yeah, it was two similar teams that needed that bit of invention. Lanzini was was their Shakiri almost. He was their most likely source of uh, any kind of creation. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought on the whole we defended okay, uh, apart from uh, the the fullbacks really. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll I'll go to some Mark Hughes comments as I quite like to do um, in the sort of before the game press conference, whatever it is. Mark Hughes said that he couldn't understand um, why some people thought that it had been a frustrating season for Stoke, um, and then in his post-match con- 
conference or interview with the BBC said it's a season that has at times <laughs> frustrated us and we've still got games to go and are trying to get a fourth top 10 finish <laughs> which this club hasn't done in the past is is Mark Hughes is Mark Hughes alright I mean he's being a bit conflicted Is does he know what he's talking about a bit confused I was a bit confused when um, I read that I think if Mark Hughes hasn't been frustrated by this season then uh, I'd check him into to Royal Stoke as quickly as possible because he's, he's <laughs> clearly he's, clear, he's clearly not right in the head if that's the case. But uh, I think I think he probably is, and I think uh, a lot of what he says in pre-match press conferences kind of gets hyped up. You know, it's a Friday, uh, people are a bit bored, they're they're nervous and. Uh, full of apprehension about the weekend and sometimes managers quotes get kind of pulled out and scrutinised a bit too much than they ought to have done um, so I think he was probably wrong to say that people shouldn't be uh, frustrated I think that's more sort of taking the pressure off his own players and uh, trying to build up some positivity ahead of Head of the game, I saw him a couple of times try and G up the crowd a bit try and get us going so I think he feels the frustration from the stands and I think uh, if he I think what he's trying to do is create a more relaxed uh, less pressurised environment because at the end of the day that, that helps him keep keep his job doesn't it? It, it if the fans if the fans aren't revolting against mm-hmm. him then then happy days for Mark Hughes yeah um, right I'll just go through a couple of stats that again that I found online. Uh, it's a ga- another game without a goal for Saido Berahino. He hasn't scored in 427 days now, which is quite incredible. Um, Stoke have enjoyed just one win in their past eight top flight games, drawn twice and, and lost five, obviously. Win against Hull. And and apparently we, we got 19 shots without scoring, which is the highest total um, without a goal, uh, highest shot total without a goal in the Premier League since September 2014. Mm. Um, can anyone get, guess the game? Probably not. Um, if you can, tweet in. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Chris, about our game against West Ham? <laughs> um, <laughs> n- no, no, not really. I, do, uh, I mean, I, I, it just it feels very, very lethargic at the moment. Not in, in terms of just the general support. Um, uh, I, I don't know how we're going to do in the next few weeks. I'm... I don't want to say I've been really, really negative about how the next few games are going to go, but it I don't know. I, I, there isn't that oomph, come on, yeah, we've got Arsenal in a few games' time, and I don't feel that at the moment. Um, I, I kind of just want this season to be finished, and then we can get on with whatever's going to happen next, whatever that may be. Um, because what, what I do feel is that if Mark Hughes is to stay, and there is the rumblings that, you know what, he might, then we've we've got to just get on and try and rebuild a team and make it better. And who knows? Who knows what can happen next season? I'm always positive at the start of a season, and that can then disappear after I a, a game. I found those um, <laughs> those shot stats pretty interesting, Ben, because what what was it? 19 shots without a goal, and that's the the highest in the Premier League. Because I've always yeah. felt that our problem is has been that. Uh, we've not created enough chances and uh, whilst I think that's still true and I think we should create more chances uh, obviously in recent games we have had uh, 
good opportunities, particularly for Berahino to score. And um, like, like you said last episode, we are we are spending a third of the season trying to get him fit. And whether that whether that will work long term, I guess we'll see next season. But it's a it's a big big summer coming up. Whatever happens. It is, and we're going to move on sort of some spending stuff and some other questions um, just after the break. I, I just wanted to bring up our sort of patron Patreon episode from the midweek where all of us chose our lifetime Stoke City eleven. so being the young guns we are, we couldn't include those players from the 70s or anything like that. But um, so if you want to listen to I that re- and you haven't already, go on. Re- can I retrospectively include Dennis Smith now because I've met him? <laughs> Because <laughs> you've, you've seen him in the face. Did did he sort of kick a football in the pub, or did you sort of throw um, any sort of round shaped ball? Because th- that would have he, counted. He had like, a, a pint of uh, Everard's Tiger, uh, which he which he dealt with responsibly, much much like much like he would have dealt with a opposition forward in the seventies. So there you go. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> if you want to hear the rest of Dave's team and my team and Chris's team then then go to our Patreon page we're about to have the advert for that um, and that will give you the link and, and yeah and then you can hear our sort of you, musings around our you, team you two to do have that. both been getting pelters on Twitter for your teams uh, this I haven't seen yeah. that well, I, I don't <laughs> care <laughs> yeah you two, you two did make some questionable choices Brilliant. I thought but uh, the listeners Listeners can judge for themselves. I think, uh, no, I, I think that my because there's one glaring decision that I made in my team, and I think I explain it very well. And it's not for footballing reasons why I chose Dave Brammer. So, hey, the pheasant's back. <laughs> Dave, why are you asking the listeners for money again? Well, Chris, it's because the Wizards of Drivel are now on Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows people to support their favourite creators by pledging a small amount of money per month. So, a listener's going to have to pay for the podcast? Because, to be honest, I don't think people want to buy a weekly moan at Mark Hughes. No, Ben, the usual weekly podcast will always be free to everyone who wants to listen. This is just for people who can afford to support the podcast in order to help us keep going next season. Ben, Ben, I'm not sure I think I can trust Dave with a large transfer budget to rebuild this podcast. I think we should go and look for a presenter abroad with some new ideas. Steady on, Chris. All money pledged to us will be 100% reinvested back into the podcast. From playing off SoundCloud subscriptions, website fees and funding improvements to the overall quality of the pod. From microphones to interviews. Yeah, but if you're a supporter of us on Patreon, what do you get out of it? Well, aside from the warm glow you get from helping out an independent podcast about Stoke City, patrons will get extra stuff just for them. If you pledge $1 a month, which is mere pennies at least for the moment, you'll get back a bunch of exclusive content, videos, blogs, mini-podcasts, that kind of thing. And if you pledge $3 a month, you'll get two extra Wizards of Drivel podcasts monthly. How does a listener become a patron then, Dave? They go to www.patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. And if they can and want to, can select the rewards that suit them. It's entirely voluntary. And if you don't have the spare cash or just don't want to, we won't think any the less of you. And of course, we're happy to talk through any questions you might have about this via email or social media. OK, welcome back. Uh, we're going to go to some questions now from our Twitter following. Some people got involved. Tom got involved. I think we've sort of maybe sort of looked at this question in a bit of detail before, but if Hughes does stay, 
um, which Chris you mentioned earlier is a is a possibility. I think there's a feeling among the fans now that he probably will stay. Um, what does he need to do to fix it? And assume it being the obvious problems throughout our team. I we we need we need um to <laughs> freshen up this squad a little bit. I think the likes of Charlie Adam um need need to be moved on. Um, although that is never going to happen under Mark Hughes, is it? We need a defensive midfielder because we've said this before. Glenn Whelan is just getting older, and we need someone to take his place. I think we do need some. Uh, fullbacks because Eric Peters has been indifferent for the best part of this season and Glenn Johnson and well Glenn Johnson's been a bit <laughs> iffy to say the least and Phil Bardsley will be gone won't he He's, his contract is up is it this year or is it this summer that Phil Bar- or is it next I wouldn't be able to tell you alright no yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you care. Um, <laughs> but, but a good, but, but a good point nonetheless, Chris. Thank, thank you, Dave. Um, I, I've seen people suggest that maybe we need to go and buy a striker, and I, at the moment, I, I don't think that that's a priority. We have um, due f- somewhere in exile. Um, we have Berahino. We have Hosselu who we're coming back. We have Boyan will be coming back. If if that's a position that Hughes wants to address, then he really needs to sort out. Oh my God, we also have Crouch as well. How can I forget Crouch? Uh, and Walters, bloody hell, we have so many strikers. <laughs> well, that was. A- How do we have that many strikers? We ha- and, and if you include Bonnie in that, which you won't, because he's on loan, that's like seven strikers we have on the books. That's mad. <laughs> how do we not how do we not score goals when we have the, I've not even thought of this but like I've, I've only just said that out loud and realised how many bloody strikers we have that, that was insane. actually my next question from John again on Twitter he said do we need another centre forward which kind of links into one of our three word reviews which was Berahino poor signing so I'll leave that question to you Dave well, we need, yeah, as Chris touched on, we need to sell about four before we can get any new strikers in. And I know that there, there was that stat you mentioned about the shots without scoring, but I don't think the the problem is the centre forward. I think the problem is the supply and the the centre forward not having anyone, perhaps a diminutive number 10 behind them to uh, create chances for them, create space for them. And... Where the problem is at the moment where we've put all our eggs in the Berahino basket and uh, the basket's got a big hole in it and all our eggs are on the floor and they're all smashed and horrible. <laughs> I, don't, I, do, I do feel that Berahino is just... Again, we've said this in the he, past. He, he just he's just what he's, he just needs anything he needs, to go he, in. Well, he does he? because like he, he gets in the positions yeah. and he's just... like If you look at the chance mm. that... The, Munez ball to Arnie that came into him like he he fumbles with it like he, he doesn't there's not a, that's not a confident player and it, yeah I I do feel that he will come good but that's just my blind optimism is, is this going to be some sort of Fernando Torres at Chelsea situation where Berahino oh, sort of gets that. a goal every few every like few months <laughs> and then every time he gets a goal it's like this is the corner that he's turned now he's going to be sensational please, please. No, because he doesn't have any Elvish tattoos, and so he's nothing like. <laughs> you don't know Torres. that. You don't say what you don't know. <laughs> I, I would, I would take this scenario if, like Fernando Torres, uh, Berahino scored against Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Watch this space, I guess. 
Um, so, the, so the answer to another centre forward is a potentially if we get rid of all of our other centre forwards, or not all of them, hopefully. Um, we'll move on now to a, a couple of different stats that again are quite linked that have come up over the last couple of days. One of which is saying our squad in total costs 117 million pounds, which which lands us in 11th place at the moment in in sort of Premier League amount of spending. But then. Interestingly, obviously, if you consider Imbula, um, who hasn't played at all, isn't playing and isn't looking like he's really ever going to play for Stoke again, that will drop us down to 18th place if you take away his £18 million. Um, so we're, we're below Swansea. So are we expecting too much from this from this squad that we have, this squad that we all, always sing about and say it's amazing? No. <laughs> Go on. That's short, short and snappy. Well, yeah, we haven't spent as much this season as uh, as compared with other seasons, but that's because we've, in theory, spent those other seasons building up the squad to what it is now. And I think uh, this current squad of papers, uh, papers, <laughs> this current squad of players is uh, the best I've ever seen at Stoke. The individual talent we've got there is really, really good, and the problem for me has been the the tactics. Uh, deployed by the manager and his inconsistency in team selection, substitution and motivation uh, and the, the, it's just so frustrating knowing that there is just this this level that we're not reaching be, because we've had glimpses of it in the past so yeah okay we haven't spent enough but I, you know we we, we sh- We've got better players than I'd say at least at least ten other teams I'd say, and we we're just messing about with it really, aren't we? We just we we just can't get them to click. So that maybe we should send spend more on a manager's salary and get a get a guy who can motivate well not motivate just get the, get them playing a, a good standard of football consistently that's, that's, you, I think you sort of alluded to the other stat which is that last summer apparently we spent the lowest amount of any team in the Premier League um, at 18.25 million uh, which is obviously a bit skewed considering the fact that we got Lee Grant in um, who definitely improved us whatever your thoughts on on his ability overall and, and Bruno Martins Indy who for me is well the two of them, I think a lot of people are saying have been our players of the season. So mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like that data is maybe a bit skewed considering we've got two players that have been really good for us for free. Um, but Chris, do you agree with Dave there? Do you, or... uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that in theory we had spent the windows before last summer try, supposedly building building up this team. Um, I think it's very easy now to look back and be like, well, we should have done this, should have done something else shouldn't have sent Bojan out on loan all that type of stuff uh, I mean this was a stat that um, and I know we're going to come on to him in a minute but uh, and that Robbie Savage kept bringing up when he was fighting Stoke fans yesterday across all forms of media like you've spent the least in, in the league what do you expect what do you expect well do you know what we expect a lot from the players that we've got because we, we had players before last summer Robbie like I think I mean, in I in Robbie Savage's world, is it the 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 team that spent the least in the previous summer finishes bottom of the table? Uh, he, in Robbie Savage's world, if you've got a Welsh manager, then you are <laughs> probably you you, you can't criticise. 
I, I think we I think we can because we, we again it's a case of we know what we can ex expect from this team we know what this team can do we've seen better performances it's not like we're we're chasing this this dream of unrealistic football we've seen them play it we know that this team can play better and what is annoying is as dave said the tactics that are getting used we're, we're robbie savage yesterday kept saying oh you've you've changed your style of play and it was something that really angered me because it's like well yeah we had and a few like 18 months ago we played some really great stuff now i you see a lot of parallels and of booting it up long to crouch when things aren't working and i i don't accept that oh your foot you should be grateful the football you've got now is great because it isn't and the team can play better and they haven't played better and star signings record signings aren't playing and in that case i think we can criticize and it has nothing to do with the transfer money that we've spent because we know what the players that we've got can do yeah we'll move on you've segued us very nicely onto those Robbie Savage comments so well done there Chris you're doing my job better than me um, yeah what what on earth is Robbie Savage on about he's saying that Stoke fans sort of don't know what they're wishing for it's a classic sort of lines that we sort of you don't know what you've got until it's gone kind of thing and, and that Stoke fans are clueless about wanting Mark Hughes um, to go, it, it, Dave. I mean, we we're probably going to say things that a lot of Stoke fans have already thought about anyway. But what is he on about? Is it just some sort of Welsh massive football club that they're part of? He's just a moron, <laughs> isn't he? He's just a, just a complete moron with, with who has moronic opinions for money to get people to phone in angrily. He's just uh, he's just yeah. Uh, he's a he's a bad. Uh, he's a bad moron he's bad at his job and just sticking up for his mate because that's his default setting and you know fair enough be 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 supportive of your mates but don't try and pass yourself off as a serious football journalist if you're just going to be that sort of blinkered and one-eyed and so unresponsive to any kind of uh thoughtful thought well expressed opinions from people who actually go to watch the club you're actually talking about in the first place uh the the day he quits uh media and football punditry will be a great day and i can't wait for it and i hope uh having watched wales reach the semi-finals of the euros that part of him dies a little inside whenever he sees that welsh team uh reach the semi-finals without him and his stupid Mouth. <laughs> will you guys defend me if someone sort of tweets in and says says that I'm I'm rubbish and should be out of the podcast? Will you will you call them clueless, please? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, it, sorry, Ben. My uh, my ethics are too strong. <laughs> um, and also, he, he's made he's made the classic point about um, Elliot from the Bear Pit TV sort of phoned in. I think Tom throwed it. I didn't hear the whole thing, so you have to forgive me, but. He made the point. He's like, "Who are you going to get in?" And and Elliot has come across with some managers, and he's just sort of pooed all of them. And um, but uh, uh, if if a pundit like him is saying that, what does that say about the state of British management at the moment? If the if the default position of these pundits is say, "Who else is there?" It's your job to know about other managers. There's not sort of a dearth of like there's no managers. Yeah, it's your job yeah. to know them. They, they should. They, the the the. 
media response to uh, Stoke fans being upset is just really sort of pathetic. And I include our our, our own local media in that. Mm-hmm. I was listening mm-hmm. to Radio Stoke, and you could tell the presenter of that program, uh, can't, I can't remember his name, was was equally as um, unimaginative and just hitting these these same old cliches of who you're gonna get in. And just because you can't think of any doesn't mean they don't exist. We did a whole bloody podcast about possible alternatives. Perhaps uh, everybody in the media needs to listen to that. Episode 50, (laughs) by the way, if you're listening, media. Episode 50, yeah. yeah. Um, So, yeah. uh, But that's the thing with with Stoke fans phoning in. That's what he wants. Mm -hmm. that's That's the end game for Robbie Savage, is to get an irate Stoke fan going in, having a go at him, and be, and there you go. There's there's your clip to trail six oh six with next week. And yeah, it, Rob, yeah, Robbie Savage is just a, he's just a, he's a moron. Yeah, but he's 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 not even that good at being a moron. He's not, <laughs> he's not even he's not even a clever troll. He's just like um, he just shouts loud enough to to make you pay attention to it. I think he's I, a dickhead. <laughs> I think the thing that annoys me the most about it all is that it's almost this belittling of of the club and us. Like, yeah, I, oh, well, yeah, I can agree how, with that. How far do you? Yeah, how far do you think you guys can realistically go? You should be, you should be bloody. You, you guys should be bloody thankful that Mark Hughes even mm. considers managing you. How, how dare you, the Stoke City fans, want to enjoy your football? Oh, you know. I yeah, and see, and see. The, the the thing is, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to I'm really sorry to give him all this attention, but he, he can express. Well, sorry. A, a, in theory, a good journalist or a good football pundit can express Hughes' in opinions without being an idiot about it. <laughs> R- Robbie Savage is just like just like a child. He's just a giddy child with, with like one li- line of argument. There's there's plenty of Hughes in people. Who on the OK or on Twitter who can express thoughtful opinions about Stoke, who can articulate themselves, who can uh, show passion and understand and take criticism of Hughes whilst remaining Hughesing and uh, and still believing that that's what's best for the club. It's it's not just hitting tired old cliches like oh over expectant fans, oh you're just a bunch of idiots kind of stuff. The- it's just, it's just basic. I'd be embarrassed if, uh, the, if I sat in the family stand and heard two five-year-olds have that level of debate. <laughs> I think the funny thing is that Robbie Savage said the exact same thing when Tony Pulis left, and you know it was all this, and, and it was the same arguments then. It was, oh, you need to be careful what you wish for. Think of Charlton. Look at them now. Oh, it's going to go wrong for you. And, oh, well, who are you guys going to get in? Who could possibly, possibly manage Stoke City better than Tony Pulis? And not many people said, well, we'll get Mark Hughes and he'll do a better job. And Mark Hughes came in and did a better job. Now we're at a stage where it's history is repeating itself. We've we've gone through managers who we think could do a good job, but there's ample managers out there who could come in and do a decent job. Just because Robbie Savage can't see it doesn't matter. And he said this lovely line, the lovely line that, oh, Mancini managing Stoke, I've got more chance at managing Real Madrid than that happening. Well, you don't, Robbie, because you're not a manager and you're you're a... 
shit person who Real Madrid won't <laughs> want to go near. So actually, Mancini has more Bobby of a chance so- of coming to us. So don't don't be so ridiculous with your outrageous uh, Rob- lines. Robbie Savage would would be lucky to unblock the toilets at the Santiago Bernabeu. <laughs> 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 And actually, it's probably the only thing he's qualified to do because it's certainly not football. Whoa! Um, the te- I thought the telling thing about that Mancini comment because obviously I think, well, 606 tweeted it out and being like, oh my God, with I think with an emoji alongside it of a shocked face. Um, but the interesting thing, I thought the replies to that tweet were a lot of fans and not Stoke fans, a lot of football fans yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. actually, I think Mancini would be a, a decent fit for Stoke. They're, they're, at, the, <laughs> yeah. they're at that yeah. level, they've got the resources. <laughs> And it's just like, Robbie, you're a clown. And this this whole thing came from, this whole thing b- ballooned from when uh, Robbie Savage tweeted, Stoke fans, what do you think of Mark Hughes? And he got replies he didn't like and he's gone off on one. That is, it just yep, doesn't make yep. sense. Anyway, well, well, go on. Quickly, Chris. I quickly. Gonna say, he, before, before he went on 606, he was doing that on, on BT Sport because he does their equivalent of the reading out the scores and all that type of... Their rip-off of Sky Sports News. Um and it, and it was basically him and Chris Sutton arguing. Now, Chris Sutton can infuriate with opinions, but I was well on his side when they, they argue because Robbie Savage is such a dick. But <laughs> it, it is, it's just that. And, and, and yesterday, there were, there were Arsenal fans, Arsenal fans tweeting him saying, so you're saying that Stoke City can't look to improve their position? Like, it's, what's the, what is the point of football if we can't at least attempt to try and better our position? If we just, well, do you know what, guys? We're, we're happy being the 10th position team in the Premier League. We'll stay at that forever. What's the bloody point of football? I want to see Stoke City improve and get better. If we fail at doing that, then so be it. But at least we've tried. <laughs> After... Uh you've listened to this episode listeners YouTube search Robbie Savage Trainers on YouTube and uh, listen to a particularly good and interesting 606 call that I think tells you all you need to know there we go well, we, we, we won't stick around for too long so you can do that straight away I just wanted to get a quick word on um, Bournemouth away next um, coming up next which is one of the games of the season last time out got some some fabulous goals from some players that I can't really remember anymore um, so <laughs> what are we expecting from this one Dave is it, is it what, what yeah <laughs> I don't know um, I think it could be a very similar game to what we just saw yesterday in that there's two sides who are now safe who are uh, on the beach if you like um so hopefully that means we get to see some uh that the shackles can come off and we can see some exciting attacking play or we could play charlie adam and peter crouch and we could lose one nil chris anything else we're gonna lose to bournemouth because we've not (laughs) scored since away at sunderland and that's our fault because that was the last away game that i went to um no, I, I, I honestly don't see us winning away games at the moment. Um, mm. It's just going to be one of those games. And But what do you want, Chris? Do you want us to win games? <laughs> <laughs> do you? You're so ungrateful. <laughs> goals. You, you should just be happy that a team exists. Oh, just uh, oh, on that note. No. On that note, I think we. I think I'll bring it to a close um, for this week. I think it's quite telling that the most passionate moment of our podcast was a, a five-minute period on Robbie Savage rather than the actual game. Um, I hope you'll be back for more um, sensational football 
um, and analysis next week on our podcast. But thank you for joining me. Thank you, Dave. Uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Ben. Good night, everyone. Go on, Stoke.